We're going on an epic journey through all of the movies of Charlize Theron, and with me on that journey are Robin Hitchcock. Hello! And Regina Connolly. Hi! I'm one of the other hosts, Bob Shields, and this week's movie is the 2012, not quite a reboot, not quite a prequel, science fiction adventure, Prometheus. A tangential part of the Aliens franchise. Yes, the Hobbit to the Aliens, Lord of the Rings, I think is often <laughs> described. Uh, I think we need to, right out the gate, give our one sound reviews. I don't want I don't want this to get lost anywhere this time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bob Shields. I'm going first. Uh, okay, so my... It was going to be... Ah! My one sound review is... Ah! And my one sound review is, ah. Oh. <laughs> You're going to have to explain that. <laughs> it's because this movie is so pretty. That I will give it that. That is the one, I mean, not the one thing. It is the, what it has going for it is it looks phenomenal. Yeah. Like, it's a really good looking, really well made. It's also one of the best 3D movies that I've seen. I've heard that. I never yeah. saw it in 3D, but I've heard it was very well done in 3D. It's a beautiful color palette. I would love to live in a room painted in those colors. Just as long as it didn't involve any of the plot points or right. characters. Yeah, I mean, every, everybody who made this movie did an extremely good job. Unfortunately, it's in service of some of the laziest writing I, and just poorly thought through plot that I've ever seen. So, the other part of my sound is that I like this movie. I suspected as much. (laughs) I like the movie Prometheus. I realize that most people don't, including my (laughs) co-host. So, uh, two notes. One, Bob had seen this movie previously, and this was the movie that he was the least looking forward to watching, because he knew in advance that he hated it. I had never seen it, but I think as the only person who has a positive... Sure. Outlook that you should do the summary of it. And oh, then we'll destroy you. you. <laughs> okay, no, it will be nice. Well, I also want to share the personal note that I saw this movie like the week I moved to South Africa. Regina just made the drop motion. <laughs> <laughs> and I just genuinely enjoyed that movie. And also, because of the whole it's an amazing 3D, beautiful thing, I think that I enjoyed it more... As seeing it in the theater. Did you see it in the theater? No, I didn't. Okay. No. I think that it's not fair to say, oh, it's only good if you see it in the theater. Movies should be good on small screens, too. Yeah, but I do think it's fair to credit that that adds something to the experience. Yeah, Avatar and Gravity are definitely boosted by their scale on the screen. Right. And the depth of the 3D images. So that's definitely a boost that I've never experienced this movie to have. Sure. So I I have, like, nostalgia and it's pretty reasons for liking this movie. 
but I also just don't think it's bad. So <laughs> let me give the summary, and then you guys will tell me why I'm wrong about that. No, we'll just say the things that we didn't like about it. it doesn't have to be adversarial. <laughs> okay. Um, so the movie opens in beautiful scenery. Scotland. Scotland. Is that Scotland? I well, thought the, it might be. The opening be. scene is Iceland, but the scene after that is Scotland. Okay. So, you know, just insanely beautiful scenery. A gigantic kind of pale blue colored jacked waxy skin man <laughs> who we will later find out is called an engineer mm-hmm. drinks something and then dissolves yes. all right cut forward eons to scotland yep. in 2089 yep and numi rapas and the poor man's tom hardy yep logan marshall green are in a cave in scotland and they see a cave painting we don't see this part, but they somehow convince the, what's the name of the company? Wayland, Wayland, Wayland Corporation. Corporation to give them a trillion dollars on the basis of this cave painting to go into deep space. They do. That That's the thin premise. Yeah. <laughs> they believe that the cave painting, and they've seen this art all around the world in disparate civilizations, indicates, like, ancient aliens, and they think that they may have created life on Earth. Exactly. So you know, that's the you goal. You also don't know why they think that. They right. just think that. Yeah. Wait. Let <laughs> us summarize. No, that's okay. That's okay. So they're on this planet that's the origin of these engineers. They go into a structure and all sorts of creepy shit and danger is there. They act incredibly reckless in so many ways, which I'm sure you guys can detail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then... The climax of the film, and it takes about an hour to get to any action. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's like an hour of like beautiful scenery, talking about the nature of creation, blah, blah, which I genuinely like that part of the movie. I understand why that might be frustrating for some people. (laughs) Uh, Numi gets pregnant with an evil creature (laughs) because, oh, there's Michael Fassbender as an android. Mm -hmm. David. And he has no conscience. Nope. He's like a chaotic, chaotic in like the character <laughs> alignment. Um, I mean, they all are in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So he poisons poor man's Tom Hardy with the evil black alien goo. Mm-hmm. And then he impregnates Numi, even though she's barren. Mm-hmm. She, in the like coolest sequence ever. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I think even people who hate this movie can admit. Yep. She goes into this surgery pod, and the machine cuts this squid monster out of her body. Yep. Then they awaken the one remaining engineer, mm-hmm. and he kills everybody. Yep. <laughs> Except for Charlize, who is the boss of the trip. Yes. Yeah, I'm she's... telling this all out of no, no, this no, no. Is... This is right. So, You're good. No, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it sounds like it doesn't make any sense. And Idris Elba, who's the captain of the ship, and then Idris Elba's two friends, Benedict Wong and another actor who is very handsome mm-hmm. and who never speak except for to each other, but like barely. They yeah. get like two they're, they're lines like, of dialogue. Are they the ones who like bet on things? They're yes. Like, ah, bah, bah, bah. Right. Yeah. Horribly underused characters. Anyway, so they sacrifice their ship to stop the engineer from flying to Earth and killing everyone on Earth, which is a 2,000-year-old vendetta. 
Yes. Charlize has a life pod. They eject the life pod, and she, like, gets into a parachute pod and gets out. And then in an infamous scene, Idris Elba has crashed the ship that was going to Earth, and it is sort of, like, rolling on the ground. And she and Numi both run in a straight line in the shadow of the ship, as opposed to making a turn and getting out of the way of it. Yep. Numi learns to turn left. She sort of falls down left. The yeah. rocks teach her yes. the beauty of uh, going a different direction. Charlize is crushed. There's one final fight between the engineer mm-hmm. and Numi. Numi wins in the Jurassic Park move of get a bigger monster to kill the smaller monster. Her child monster. Her child monster has now become the size of a room. Yep. And super fucking terrifying. Mm -hmm. And he kills the engineer. Numi and David the Android's head. (laughs) (laughs) And his body bits. Get on... Another ship? They just go to another one. Okay, I guess, which, like, they don't really explain the origin of. To go see the engineer's homeworld, which seems like a really poor decision. Yes. (laughs) But that is left for a sequel, which I don't actually think is what this coming movie is going to be, Alien Covenant. Wait, the very end, though, let's not... Right. Okay. I'm getting there. Okay, sorry. (laughs) So, and then in what probably should have been a post-credit sequence, but is a tagged-on last scene, the engineer has a chestburster moment, and a creature who looks kind of like a xenomorph, but not very much... Yeah, like a simplified, like, yeah. smoothed out version. Yeah, pops out of him. Yep. And so it's sort of, is this the origin of them? But it's not, because no. there's, like, images of them elsewhere in the movie. Because I enjoyed this movie, I went back and looked at, like, why do people hate it so much? Mm-hmm. And it seems like at the time it came out, mm-hmm. a big part of people's bad reaction to it was it being unclear how connected this is to the Alien franchise. I have no issue with that. I thought it nope. was fairly clearly this is the same universe. Right. And not directly connected. So, yeah, I mean, the issue I have with that is that it is presented as something to do with the Alien franchise and in the same universe, but purely for marketing purposes. Like, it is not, the story is nothing to do with the same story that Alien has. Starts off absurdly convoluted with no internal logic or reason for people to think the things or do the things that they're doing. And then everything just kind of devolves and becomes a cliche. Like every story point like has, has something that looks like it's going to be different and then ends up being a cliche, which is extremely frustrating to be watching. And it has no logical bearing. Like no one makes a decision that is based on any information that came ahead of time. People just do things because they do them. That's the thing that I found really frustrating when watching it is like, so when you watch a horror movie and someone decides to go in the basement, like the horror movie genre is there to make you feel like, don't do that. It's yeah. like specifically designed to engineer that response of like, I'm afraid for them. And then, they, you know, they have to do it anyway. And this movie, I was like, everyone is making those types of decisions with no thought to anything like they're like so we're on a hostile planet that's inimical to life but we go underground and all of a sudden it's fine and the most insufferable character is holloway and he's like let's take our helmets off and then everyone's I like hate him so much. oh, oh my so god awful. Yeah. oh he's he's just 
I think possibly like the most insufferable character on film. Like he's just everything he says is grating and brash and arrogant and wait, boring. this is poor man's Tom Hardy, right? Yes, I, I guess. Yes. I don't know. I also hate Rafe Spall's character, who's like the goofy yes, the biologist, biologist yeah. who is just a fool. Yes, so I think that part of my problem with this movie is that. All of the characters are unlikable, impulsive children, and they're supposed to be scientists. Well, that's the thing. The difference between like this and a regular horror movie is you talk about like going into the basement when they shouldn't do that. The, the reason that's tense in a horror movie is because we know there's something dangerous in the basement, but the character doesn't. So you're watching me like, oh yes. my god, oh my god, oh my god. But this is something where they're supposed to be research scientists. They are supposed to approach things cautiously. So you're watching them make these stupid decisions. And it's just, it's just infuriating. And the movie doesn't even set, like, an arbitrary thing. Like, if they're not like, oh my god, we have to explore today, because otherwise if we don't turn around at this time, we won't make it back to Earth. They're like, we have literally all the time in the world to explore this new planet that might have life on it. And insufferable characters like, well, there's only six hours of daylight. Let's go inside. Let's take our helmets off. Let's kick shit over. And they have <laughs> these, like, little robot things that send out lasers that could map everything. And it's like... I don't understand why you wouldn't send your mapping robots, wait for a map to be created, and then, I don't know, walk the fuck around with a goddamn map! Like, that just seems like a very simple solution well, to an undiscovered planet. Well, and also, they're like, oh my god, this this part, I like, I almost like got up and left the room. They bring an alien head back to the ship, and rather than, like, take a small, delicate sample and be like, what the fuck are we doing? You're like, I know what we'll do. Let's shove a probe in its neck and try to reanimate it so it thinks it's alive. And then it starts pulsing. And they're like, let's uh, contain it. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe you should have studied it before you decided to reanimate an ancient dead life form. And also, crazy person. But, and, like, also, they're doing that to what end? Like, what do yeah. you think is going to happen? Wait, so... My understanding of that, and and the impatience in general, and I'm pretty okay. sure that poor man Tom Hardy says this, is that they basically think they're meeting God, right? Right. Like they, but they if you believe met God, would you stick a probe in his neck and if be like, that was yeah, the talk only to way to talk to him? I wouldn't. But these are people who have built their lives and their passion around we're going to find the people who made us, and they can't wait. They don't have any patience, and I agree. One hundred percent. That every character in this movie, with the possible exception of Idris Elba and his silent friends, mm-hmm. make horrible decisions constantly. And they're just horrible people. I mean, Perman's Tom Hardy is insufferable and horrible. Numi Rapace is like all she's stricken. Fine. I mean, she's just she's fine. She's fine, but she's just overly melodramatic and whatever. The geologist, who's the guy who immediately after annoying biologist sits down at his breakfast table is like, I don't want to be your friend. (laughs) Why? Why are you being such a dick about it? Because it's cranky ship. Everyone's cranky except for Idris Elba. And it's like, there are these genres of movies where it's like, if you want too much knowledge, that's hubris and you have to be destroyed for it. And to some extent, I think... This movie's called Prometheus, Regina. (laughs) It is, but at the same time... So that so that's confusing to me that they're like holding Idris Elba up as like I mean I don't know if they're holding him up or it's like he's the only likable person on screen but his whole thing is like I'm just the captain I just fly the ship and occasionally have sex with Charlize Theron that they deny you seeing so I like, come agree. on I don't understand how you could like a movie that's like we're going to imply that Charlize Theron and Idris Elba are going to bone cut to the next boring scene <laughs> that is not them boning. 
But it's just like, so they hold him up as like a good moral person and everyone else who's like trying to find things out gets punished for it. And uh, Numira Pace like almost goes through a character change where she's like, maybe I shouldn't have done this. But then five minutes later, Robot David Head is like, no, you should continue to follow along this path that seems to have brought you nothing but death and destruction. Robot and she's David like, Head, who, yeah. let's remember, murdered her partner. Correct. Yes. Yes. So she, I like Numi's character. Okay. okay. But... I don't. I found her likable. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. It doesn't hold up. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I find her more likable than Bob found her. She has charisma. I think that she's you know a good final girl type character. Mm-hmm. But her whole backstory. She's sad because her dad died of Ebola, which comes out of nowhere, and because she is barren, which also comes out of nowhere. Yeah, that's yep. very hamfisted. He's like, oh. oh, creating life. I mean, wouldn't that be great? And then she looks all stricken, and she's like, but I can't do it. <laughs> So, those elements of backstory are pretty boring. Mm. It's also baffling that she is with most obnoxious man on Earth. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, of all the great chemistry-lacking romances that we have on film, this has got to be in the top five. And we have to watch them have very unpassionate, (laughs) uncomfortable sex. I mean, I realize it's for plot reasons, but if... You're going to make us sit through that. you got to give us some Charlize Idris bonus. So Charlize's character is uh, powerful and mean. And we find out that she is the heiress to this giant company. But her job on the ship is essentially to make everyone do what their job is to do. Like, she's in control, yeah, she's, but she's not the captain. She's but the she, boss. But she seems to be, like, ter- like criminally unaware of everything that's happening on her ship or any so, of the decision-making processes. Like, she's never is, really in charge, except for she has the one scene where she... Which was a good scene. Like, the scenes that she's in, like, she's charismatic, and she can carry what she's doing. But she calls the two true believer scientists to her, and she's like, by the way, don't forget who's paying for this. You're not in charge of shit. I am. Is that when she makes David make her a martini? Yes. I yeah. love that I want a gif of it. <laughs> I think you can make this dream a reality. <laughs> After I watched this movie, I was like, I, I don't like this, and this is making me angry. And I don't know if listeners have noticed, we've had a run of movies that we don't particularly like. And I was like trying to think of like what I should be holding, like what standard like should I be holding movies mm-hmm. to to be so critical of them. And I just feel like this one, although it is like beautiful, like the special effects are great and it has a delightful color palette, I just don't know that it is doing anything other than putting, like, really unlikable people on screen, doing things without their own logic or without the film's logic to back it up. So, like, it never takes me out of the fact that I'm watching a movie that is, I find, disappointing, if that makes any sense. Sure. I do think that you should, like, accept a world that a movie is building and, like, not nitpick things, but I think they have to, like, earn the right for you to forgive certain things. I found myself towards the end of the movie when they have come all this way to find Neo in a chamber, and they wake Neo up, and it's like, let's pull, you know, and the engineer comes out, and then he kills everyone, and then he presses some soft-boiled eggs, and the whole shit comes to life. (laughs) And I found myself thinking, uh, if that ship had been there for a couple thousand years, like, don't you think the elements and all those silica storms would have destroyed anything? Everything's just working magically. Normally, that's the type of criticism that I'd be like, shut up, like, just enjoy the movie. Right. This movie hasn't earned it. Like, that is frustrating. Yeah, I can accept the premise that he is able to figure out how to operate their their machinery. You just push some eggs. <laughs> Yeah, apparently you have they, they have symbols on the wall which glow when you touch them, mm-hmm. uh, and they have some soft-boiled eggs which you can squeeze, uh, <laughs> and that makes this ship fly. The, but yeah, there's a lot of things in this movie that it just it, it, it approaches sci-fi tropes and then attempts to twist them and fails miserably, and actually just gets them entirely wrong. So 
For, for example. For example, David, what, one of the things, the, the conversation they have is David being an android doesn't breathe or need a spacesuit, right? So that's a common sci-fi trope, is that people ask androids, hey, guy, why do you seem like you're breathing? What do you need to breathe for? And the answer is always, well, it, the real answer is because I'm played by a human. <laughs> <laughs> but the sci-fi... Wink. <laughs> The sci-fi answer is the uncanny valley. Yes. I would seem creepy to you if I didn't do all this stuff. So they have that conversation in this, but they do it in the dumbest approach possible, which is where he asks, why are you wearing a spacesuit? Because you don't breathe. And he answers with the typical uncanny valley thing. I would find me creepy if I didn't do that. But really, there is a million reasons to wear a spacesuit. Correct. Not least of which is, then we'll have a spare spacesuit if one of yours <laughs> goes wrong. But he gets that that trope. It's like they were like, oh, they're going to approach it from a different angle. Oh, no, we're going to give a typical answer that doesn't make sense in the context that they set up. And that happens again and again in this movie. Later on, you have the two aggravating biologist and geologist characters, and they discover the alien corpse. But you would think at least the biologist character would be at kind of interested in a, in a, but you know, a xenobiologic biological sample. But he's like, oh, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. He's scared by the corpse, but delighted by the well, creepy snake point. worm. That's the point I'm making. Is That's the thing. When someone sees something going into the basement of a, of a house and being like, oh, shit, I should get the fuck out of here. That would be an interesting take on that. So for him to say, see this, be creeped out and be like, I want to leave is something like, oh, as an adult, you're allowed to make that decision Correct. in this scary situation. But then later on, so they've set up that, that's twisting that trope, but then later on, he comes across a living alien sample, which looks like a cobra, <laughs> and he's like, oh, look at it, it's beautiful, calm down, I got this, and then, of course, it kills him. Why was he cautious with a dead alien, and then not cautious with the living alien? Also, importantly, he's like, I gotta get out of here. But the two of them who leave earlier than everyone else and are and in constant are, communication with the ship and hear about the storm. And are responsible for mapping the facility. Get lost. Get lost. I guess. It's, a, it's just they're sort of like everyone else makes it to the ship, but no one seems to notice those two guys aren't with them until the end. They're like, oh yeah, they're still down there. Yeah, you see them being like, hey, we've been here before. We're in the wrong place. Blah, and rather blah, blah. than like and staying then, put like you do when you get lost in a mall... <laughs> they are like, let's wander around the, the crypt and of also, goo. And touch evil things. The innavigability of the facility doesn't affect anyone else. When everyone else needs to leave in a hurry, they just leave. No problem. Never addressed. They're somehow lost in the facility. Look, th- there are a lot of idiots in this. <laughs> no. It gave me an appreciation for Arrival after I watched this, because I was oh, like, yeah. look, like, Arrival was slow, and there was a lot of talking about the thing they were going to do, but Arrival felt like a scientific approach to this. And if this movie had not been like, it's a ship of scientists, maybe I wouldn't have been so annoyed if it was a ship of adventurers. Or like the marines and aliens. Or the truckers in the first movie. Okay, so I am married to a scientist. Yes. Yes. And let me tell you, scientists are people too. (laughs) Yeah. They're not all smart and cautious, and my husband is smart. (laughs) But they're normal people. They have normal human flaws. So... I agree that it is a little inconsistent with the what we would expect, and it can be very frustrating to watch this <laughs> endless series of stupid choices, but I don't think it's impossible that humans would make these stupid choices. But I think it's impossible that you'd have a ship of only stupid choice-making <laughs> humans. But also, like, one of them's gotta be like, guys, I don't know, look under a microscope for five seconds. 
One other thing, they kept talking about how the engineers have made us, and then they find that the DNA is an exact match, and they're still hammering on about the engineers made us. And I was like, or they could just be your ancestors. Right. I don't think my great-grandfather created me. I just think, you know, he's my ancestor. But <laughs> yeah. they're like, no, we are convinced. And Idris Elba at some point exposits, these are all weapons of mass destruction, and they're coming for Earth to kill us all. Based on... I don't know. I think like, because that one, the geologist, the cobra thing spits some acid on him, mm-hmm. and he falls face first into some of that black goo, and then becomes a rampaging zombie. Yeah, he becomes in, a pretzel zombie. In a very out-of-place sequence. Did you say pretzel zombie? Yeah, yeah because he, like he, he, he comes all, like, oh, folded up. okay. He's tar- he's, he arrives twisted into a knot, <laughs> and then kills a bunch of people for why? It's a very <laughs> strange scene that feels very out of place. It's a but, scene that feels like if you removed it from the movie, you would have lost nothing. I think they were just like, ah, we need to up more the action. action. It's more been a while power. since a tentacle yeah. went down someone's but throat. But also, you can say that about every scene in the movie. <laughs> Not time- the surgery! No, but you can, a- well, you can ask why they wrote that in. Because it's awesome! But here's the thing. There is a why in that scene. It's why is the med pod specifically calibrated to a male? It's for the old man. But why? Why does it only work for a man? I actually love that line because I felt like that was a feminist criticism of medicine. I thought that as well. Can we talk about Guy Pierce's being an old person? Apparently, they originally wanted Max von Sydow, which he's an old man actor. You would recognize him. It would have been excellent casting. Yep. They had a scene that they wrote but never filmed with young Wayland. So why not hire a different actor to play young Wayland? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why Guy Pearce had to play both parts. Right. I'm also like, Hollywood, old people, we've got some. (laughs) They exist on the earth. So there is a, uh, a a promotional video of young Guy Pierce giving an absurdly gigantic TED talk. Oh, right. Where he is effuses about te- like technological milestones. Where it's a twenty minute talk, TED talk that where he says absolutely nothing. Where he's just saying, ah, the light bulb, M-theory. Like, he just goes on naming things. And then at the end, and I would like to change the world. And then everyone claps. And they're like, well, you didn't say anything. And I think that was supposed to be inserted into the movie at some point. Like, okay. it, it became promotional material after they removed it. But it's just indicative of everything you're saying. Oh, that could be a comment on, you know, feminism in medicine. But really, it's a, just a shoehorned thing in the guy who wrote this doesn't know how to write science fiction. So Damon Lindelof is a hack. <laughs> yes. But then the other guy, whose name I don't remember and don't care to look John up. John Sapitz or something like that? Fuck this guy, wrote Passengers. Yes. So which, as I tweeted yesterday, Keanu Reeves was once attached to star yep. in that pile of space garbage. So I'm <laughs> guessing that he did not write this is calibrated for men as a feminist commentary right. on the history of medicine. I'm still going to grab it as one of those. Because I think yeah, I still like that. Yeah, I and like I also that. just am so in love with that sequence. I feel like that is one of the oh, most yeah. effective thriller sequences I've seen in a really long time. And I, yeah. think she's, I think she is very good in that. I like that she's like, I want an abortion. I love it. And five minutes later, she's like, I've made my own abortion happen. I love it. But the thing that I don't love, besides the thing about no one reacting to her just covered in blood, 
is the weird sequence in which she finds out that she's pregnant because David is a character that I would love for them to have done more with because I think there's an argument to be made for David being the central character yeah. and that for if someone is going to be Prometheus is it actually the humans in the ship are Prometheus for him? They're the Titans and they've created him and there's right. an intermediary or whatever. I thought the sequence of him being alone on the ship was very beautifully done and interesting and there's the thing about putting the fire out which I was like oh Prometheus fire this is going to be important and they never talk about that again it's like you have to learn like not to let the pain bother you and I think one of the the Lawrence of Arabia stuff yeah Yeah. and then for some reason a robot needs to dye his hair that happened because he wants to look like Lawrence of Arabia yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) which Um, I think is so cute I really like the David character I like that he has wants but I want them to spend but more does time he, with it. What does he want? I feel like he's like a toddler, which he may be, right? He right. probably was created shortly before this. Uh-huh. So he he wants what he wants in passing moments of caprice. He's kind of annoyed at poor man's Tom Hardy. Insufferable Holloway. Yes. And he's being android racist. Right. And so he's like, you know what? I'm going to murder you. Although he did bring that over. So I think that maybe he already sort of had that idea. I think he was planning to do that allegedly because Guy Pierce's character told him, I want you to go further or try harder. But- so I thought he was trying to like get more information about the black goo and he was using the test subject, the most insufferable character, which was great judgment on his part. And so that that's why he chose to poison that guy. The, but the instruction is just try harder. To do what? Like, what is he trying to do? They're trying to figure out the deal with the engineers. Ultimately, we find at the very end that old guy Pierce has snuck himself along on this mission and that Charlize Theron is his daughter, who didn't know that he was there. And they have a weird sequence where she dramatically says, Father! And Guy Pierce is here ultimately because he doesn't want to die and he thinks that the engineers have the fountain of youth. Boy, am I tired of that plot device. Yeah, and also, like, the whole, like, oh, rich, powerful men can, all they care about is immortality. I don't really think that's true. And also, bored with it. So I think that he was encouraging David to find out what the black goo does, assuming that it was the fountain of youth, which he has no reason to assume, because just because they created life... Why would you assume they know how to make life last forever? Who can say? They didn't see the opening sequence of the movie. Right. (laughs) I also think that Michael Fassbender is incredibly effective in this Oh, he's great. He's great. Yeah. And he nails the uncanny valley thing. Yes. Also, I love the shot of the black goo on his fingertip and the Wayland logo is in his fingertip. The detail and the attention to detail in this is really, really good. Like, it's so well made and so convincingly rendered but it's just, I I cannot get over how (laughs) terrible the writing is. So the thing with David that I was going to say before is the scene with him and Insufferable Holloway where he's like, I'm doing this and I'm kind of drunk now for no apparent reason. Because he's upset because he's, like, his faith has been shattered because... Because he spent six hours. Exactly. Okay. He's a bad, annoying person. He is. He's got a (laughs) fragile ego. So great. So he's drinking and he's like, well, how would you feel if you thought, you know... Well, like they're talking about creation. That's the, that's best. the whole. Yeah, this is this what I'm thematic thing. I like that scene. Th- that's what I'm saying. Oh, I you think sound so angry. <laughs> no. So what I'm saying is, I think that that is one of the best scenes in the movie okay. where he's being a dick, and David is like, "How would you feel if your creator answered you'd like that?" And I felt like there was so much potential for that to be the crux of the movie about David, mm-hmm. and then. They just don't do that, and I feel like they just sort of have David act as an agent of chaos to change things for the plot that they're going for, but they don't 
I think that they decide that Numi Rapace is the heart of the movie and they're following her storyline. And I think that they gave themselves an interesting deck of cards to play with David and they chose not to do it. And that I find frustrating. I think that that was influenced by this being, in some sense of it, an alien movie and they want to honor Ripley, which I would too. Sure, but then you could cast, I don't know, a woman as the android. I would say the other mov- the other scenes that I think are good is, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but we're doing a podcast about Charlize Theron, um, <laughs> and not just the state of broken science fiction, but Charlize Theron scenes are good. I yeah. think she is great in that role. She wears bizarre wedges that I'm a fan of, Yes, uh, and she, as the person who's in charge, every time she walks into a scene, she's like... I'm commanding the scene. Correct. And then she disappears. I think, like, the only thing that falls short is her inability to turn left. Or right. Right would have worked. Right would have worked as well. Also, I'm sort of holding out hope because we see the chip fall on Numira Pace, and she's still alive. She's got, like, a little rock above her, which is stronger than a... Giant alien ship. City-sized ship. Yeah. One thing I gotta say is... My favorite moment in the movie might be when they're watching a hologram of Wayland talking mm-hmm. about yep. the the mission, and great. he is introducing David, and he says, "This is the closest thing I have to a son." And she makes the most epic eye roll face. I don't think she <laughs> actually rolls her eyes, but she rolls her eyes with her entire body. Yes, it is fantastic. God, she's so good at that. It's, I also really like that they made this bitchy character. Like, mm-hmm. she is just a stone-cold bitch. Yep. And still likable. Oh, yeah. No, she is great. I think everyone actually works really well with the limited character material that they have. <laughs> uh, and she does a very good job, but just the problem is her character contributes nothing to the story. She's another yeah. example of a, a trope that's in there <gasps> for no reason. Guys, She's- what if Charlize had been David? Oh my god, that, that would have been, been so awesome! She was originally going to be cast as Numi Rapace's character. But she couldn't because of Furiosa, which yes. is a good reason to not be Numi Rapace. Indeed, yeah. But so she's she's cast in there as the like company man along for the uh yeah. along for the journey. There's always in the starting in Aliens and then also Avatar has one as well. The company person who's there for bureaucratic observation right. reasons and to make sure everything is under budget, sort of so to speak. But in this, they don't use that character in any way. Like, she doesn't jeopardize the mission or compromise anything or make any decisions. She actually makes some good... She's, like, one of the people who makes good decisions, like, setting poor man Tell Hardy on fire. That was satisfying. Honestly, I do think that Charlize's character matters to the movie because of the thematic stuff. Regina touched on this earlier. This movie is so nitpickable. There are so many things that are wrong with it, that it's hard to see the forest for the nitpickable trees. Right. But if you do, the way that I did, especially when I saw it in the theater, just watch it to watch it, I think that there is some really thematically interesting stuff. I think that they handle this nature of creation and seeking your creator, the disappointment there. There's this idea of... You know, the engineers allegedly created us. It's sort of the creation comes from destruction. Like we see in the very beginning, he Mm -hmm. dissolves, and then you watch his DNA recombine. Goes from black to a color. Yes. Painful to awesome. (laughs) Yes. Wayland creating David. I like the idea of Numi is Christian. She's challenged. You're a scientist, and you don't believe in evolution. Mm. But she, she does, 
she believes she basically believes in intelligent design by these aliens. Right. Which, as it turns out, is not quite the thing. Right. There's apparently some people think this is a aggressively Christian movie. Yeah, I think in the original draft of the script, they were going to discover that Jesus was an engineer. Right. So the that is not in the movie, obviously. No. But they are. They say many times that they <laughs> sent their their plan was to send the death ship to Earth two thousand years ago. Right. And it's like, what happened two thousand years wonder. ago? <laughs> but also, her faith is not shaken. She has faith, even though she believes aliens created humans. Yep. She still believes in God, yep. and she says at one point, evil, obnoxious Tom Hardy esque says, if you know that they created us, then how can you still believe in God? And she says, well, who created them? Right. So, and then, so this chain of creation, right? So we don't know where they came from. We don't really understand their whole deal, but we know that they are in some way involved in our past as our great grandfathers or whatever. Sure. There's this whole, like, weird alien biology stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And then there's the deal with David, who I agree is probably the most important character in the movie. Okay. Well, so, so here's my, my, my point to that. And like, I don't know if the movie means for this to happen, but it's like New Year Pace is like having all these thoughts and really wants to meet her creator and all this stuff. And at the end, she's like, I deserve an answer. I need to go talk to them. And David is like, why? And she says, I'm a human and you're a robot. Like, I get to decide this. And, I, and I'm and i sort of like, you're his creator. Like, right. you're right there and you're refusing to answer. Like, can't you see that that is also what I is happening? I think the movie is aware of this hypocrisy and we're meant to think about it. And that's the best line they could come up with? Okay. I'm a human. You're a robot. Shooting into space. Credits roll. I was like, I just said this for two hours and that's your best screenwriting? Uh, that was the thing that aggravated me as well about the whole... Christianity and blah, blah blah, where she's like, I deserve to know. Mm. Like uh, the whole premise of the 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 actual conspiratorial reason that they're there uh, is Whalen being like, I deserve more life. I deserve right. to be. Get-. And I'm like, why? Why do you think you deserve anything? I, this plan is flawed in that you think you're somehow going to convince an alien race to make you immortal. What do you think is going to happen this when movie you is arrive? Prometheus. <laughs> I, but it's like, but when? But what do you think is going to happen? Like in the but context of what they so the myth of Prometheus is not that humankind are like we really want what the gods have. Give it to it's us. It's that someone gives it. to it's them. It's that someone yes. decides that I'm passing this along. So I'm like, so who in this I thought movie? the engineers were supposed to be Prometheus. That's what I thought as well. Okay. Prometheus is also, hubris is still an important part. Yeah, yeah. I think that because hubris is so fundamental to it, that's why it's sort of been corrupted in popular culture to be about. Humans asking for more. Yeah. But I think that they were reaching for hubris and what they found instead was annoying decision making. Okay. (laughs) I I will allow that. They confuse ambition with impatience. (laughs) It's not the same thing. Okay. I have some questions for you guys. Okay. One is, would this movie be improved by a prison riot? Yes. (laughs) Most definitely would. Because you could have something like... One of the interesting characters, well, we need this guy on this exploratory mission. He's an A-plus adventurer. <laughs> How do we get him out of prison? Yeah. Cool. Or it would be like a Suicide Squad team. They, uh, we broke out of prison, and the only way we can stay out of prison is to take this alien head on our ship and make it talk to us. And then I'd be like, great, I buy that you're trying to make that head talk to you. Speaking of Suicide Squad, Guy Pierce with his age makeup looks a lot like Killer Croc. <laughs> I didn't sit through that, so I don't Oh, good for that. you. But the makeup did win an Oscar, so... So I agree. I think maybe it would be cool if there was, if the engineers had a prison of other creatures 
And we could have a prison riot of a monster oh, prison riot. Yes. That sounds How amazing. awesome would that be? I mean, so it would good. be very like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Just, and yeah. Cabin in the Woods. Yes. yes. Yeah, that has the monster prison riot scene. Yeah. It does. Well, this also sparked a conversation between us because I suspected that you did like this movie given your unwillingness to say anything about it <laughs> until we recorded. <laughs> is I think that there must be movies like this for me in other categories where I'm like, hey, I can 100% see why people hate it, but I enjoyed it. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. And I have a ton of those movies. Yeah, and, like, at first I was kind of like, I don't know, I, I feel like Sahara is my go-to. Like, people think this is a stupid movie, but I genuinely think wrong. it's great. Yes. But the more I thought about it, I was like, no, it's genuinely great. <laughs> I was thinking while watching this movie about how I see a lot of improv comedy. Mm-hmm. Many, <laughs> if not most, improv sets have some pretty bad scenes yeah. in them. and But it's the moments, uh, it's the great scenes that make yes. me love that art form. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that has a lot of bad scenes, but it has some great scenes. And I think that I've sort of conditioned myself to remember the good things when I'm judging a work as a whole. Hmm. For me, when I think about the movies that this compares to that has similar issues, I can I can think of movies that have one similar issue. So like, we're talking about Terminator Skynet's plan in Terminator does not stand up to scrutiny. Like, when he's sending <laughs> someone back in time to kill John Connor, like, what does Skynet think is going to happen to Skynet? Like, right. what's its experience going to be? It doesn't make any sense. But that movie is so thrilling and interesting, and the characters that are in the movie are not people making that decision. So, like, they're just along for the situation that has occurred. So you you can forgive that movie for that right. nonsensical premise. Or, like, in uh, Inception... The same same deal. They explain how something works, and then they have no internal logical mechanism for it to do something that they're talking about. But that movie, again, is completely and totally thrilling from start to finish, so I forgive it for that misdeed. Yes. Prometheus has too many problems for me to forgive. Okay. It, it has a weak premise, <laughs> it has unlikable characters, it has logical fallacy up the wazoo. I just cannot get past it. Like, one I can forgive, three is too many. I, uh, this is fair. the most excited Bob Shields has ever been. <laughs> Alright, I've got another question. I've got an answer. Who is Keanu? Who should Keanu Reeves have played I, in this movie? I mean, the most obvious answer is David. I agree, but I like Michael Fassbender so much I don't want this Not as a human, he's a jaghole. But as an actor, you know, yes. mwah, fingertip kiss, and yeah. in this role in particular, so... It, it kind of has the same problem that Bagger Vance has, and that Keanu could really replace any of the male characters. Yeah, I want him to replace Rafe Spall's character, the biologist. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, because... I feel like we could get Ted Keanu back, <laughs> which I miss Ted Keanu. I wish okay. he would play that that kind of role again because mm-hmm. he's great at it. <laughs> I I would like to see him in idiot mode. Yeah, that would be good. I would cast him as one of the two noble goofs at the end who are like, we're not going to save ourselves. We're just going to fly into the ship with you, Idris <laughs> Elba, because I would be delighted to see Keanu and Idris Elba have a conversation on screen. I agree. I mean, I think I would probably still replace David the Android. Okay. Even, even though I like Michael Fassbender, I'm like, I also find my, Michael Fassbender generally interchangeable. I've never seen anything where I've been like, wow, he was superb in that. He's always Not just, this? Definitely not this. I okay. great in that. Like, Me I too. I, it makes sense. Yeah. It seems like a role that Keanu could play. He, he would be in full Day the Earth Stood Still yeah. mode. So I have a question. Do you think this movie would have 
been different without Charlize in it. Not as a character. Like, if someone else other than Charlize had had that role, even though this is a movie that you genuinely disliked for many reasons, did she do the thing that we often credit her with, which is elevating the yes. movie with her mere presence? I think that's the reason she's in it. This is also an and credit for her. Yes. Yeah, I know. Which is exciting. That. Yeah. I just think, like, so she's in the movie sporadically, but I really do think even, like, her tense fight with David where she's like, I will find where you are plugged in and cut that fucking cord. I that part. I <laughs> loved that. I thought that was really interesting where it's like, she obviously is not going to be physically as strong as Android Robot Man. Right. She did do push-ups the moment she got out of stasis, though. Oh, yes. That was great. <laughs> that was great. She's and I, still dripping with the fluid. Yeah. I just, also, like, gotta do some push-ups. <laughs> I think my favorite part of the movie with her in it is the tone of voice she uses every time she talks to David. In every instance. How, and the How dismissive. Thing. Yes. Where she's just like, yeah. wake them up. Make me a fucking drink. I will cut your power source. Her casting in this, like, while she does elevate the movie and she does make it a better movie, her casting is just purely for marketing purposes. It is entirely like, this is good. This has got a great cast and it's part of the Alien franchise. You need to buy a ticket. Not actually made because it's an interesting premise or movie or well done. I think that they thought that they were making high art. I think, I think Ridley Scott thought he was making high art, but Ridley Scott's a crotchety, crazy old man now <laughs> who is far beyond... Have you seen Ridley Scott give an interview recently? No. He comes across like an idiot. He's made a lot of very good movies. He's a very talented artist. He's not really a great thinker. (laughs) And this movie is supposed to be deep and philosophical and really isn't. A very important question. Yes. How are Charlize's eyebrows doing? They are in full force. Congratulations, Charlize. (laughs) The 90s are gone. Yeah, I was very proud of her eyebrows. They looked great. Sorry, I hope that we have not sucked all the joy out of this movie for you. I hope we've sucked all the joy out of this movie. Guys, you are by far not the first people to (laughs) go through how horrible this movie is to me. And I genuinely thought when I rewatched it that I was going to dislike it now. Mm -hmm. I was like, I got caught up in the magic in the theater. Mm -hmm. So now that I have had all of these things pointed out to me in the theater, I remember when I first saw it, I was furious that they took their helmets off. Right. I thought that Charlie's not being able to turn was also silly. Yeah. But a lot of these nitpickable things I did not pay attention to, not care about. Yeah. Watching it even being aware of how stupid everything is, I'm still like, <laughs> I like this movie. I'm going to do an Ebert or Mebert. Okay. Okay. This is a series whose inspiration has come, gone, and been forgotten. I'm aliened out. That's a Mebert. Ebert. Okay, it's a trick question. He was dead already. <laughs> no, he, no, he died in 2013, I think. He wrote that in his review of... Alien Resurrection. Ah. Okay. But then he gave Prometheus four stars. Interesting. He gave it four stars. He says, Ridley Scott's Prometheus is a magnificent science fiction film, all the more intriguing because it raises questions about the origin of human life and doesn't have the answers. We have to rank. We do have to rank. Oh, God. We have to rank it. I'm just going to go. So for me, I did not enjoy this movie. But I am going to put it... I'm going to nestle it carefully between Bagger Vance and Cider House Rules. Okay. Bagger Vance yeah. is better than this because at least the kid falls out of the tree and it was chuckle-worthy. Uh, this is my new number two. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, unseating Italian, Italian job. job. 
Well, that's what you wanted for this I episode, did. We so literally, there you go. We talked last week. I think I cut it because I knew what we ultimately decided. <laughs> last week, we have to do a good one next time. So instead, we did my least favorite movie of all time. But we're doing it for obvious reasons. Alien Covenant's coming out this week. Don't go and see Alien Covenant. Apparently, anyone. it's, like, bad. So, Bob, where is it in your ranking? So, for me, this movie is dead last. <laughs> the it children is- of the corn three Herbis Harvest creators are so excited. Yeah, I'll tell you why. So, I... Urban Harvest, bad as it may be, I think really only has a couple of problems with it, <laughs> categorically speaking. So I don't want to hammer this point home too much. But here's the thing. I also didn't hate Children of the Corn 3 Urban Harvest. I enjoyed the experience, but I'm glad to have seen it. I wouldn't watch it again or recommend anyone else watch it, but it wasn't like actively aggravating. Whereas Prometheus for me is just... It makes me want to fucking shank somebody. It's so appalling. Like, every element of it is just designed to get set my nerves on fire. It is so, so irritating that this... And it also is even more irritating that it's so well made and so beautifully done and to the service of such shitty, shitty writing. It's what... It's, it is everything that is wrong. It's... With Hollywood today, all movies, like, it's catalyzed by the Star Wars prequels and furthered and enabled by Damon Lindelof and his band of collaborative hacks. It's just the worst, worst movie I've ever seen. And also, like, I'm not sure how Bob feels about this. I should be be primed to love this movie as well, because, like, I love the original Alien franchise. Yeah. The original Alien movies. I love... Movies like The Matrix that talk about like philosophical things and all that kind of stuff. This movie is just so, so horrible to me. This is the angriest I have ever seen Bob. <laughs> yeah. By a lot. Yeah, same. <laughs> He's uh. normally a pretty even keeled person. <laughs> so next week we are doing a good movie. Yes. Yes. Please. We're well, determined. Guys, thank you. For coming to my house and uh, <laughs> talking about this challenging film. But, uh, I feel like I'm sat between the both of you, and I feel literally and metaphorically very between <laughs> these opinions right now. It's a bit of a challenge. Uh, I'm going to put the kettle on for Bob, and uh, I'm going to get a cookie for Robin. And It represents everything hey, that's wrong hey, with the whole hey, world. It's pretty. <laughs> Alright, thank you so much for listening! Thank you, Alex Reed, for our amazing theme tune. Thank you for sharing this with your friends. If you have done so, that's very kind of you. Um, We hope next week to be bringing you a delightful film that we'll all be jazzed about, or maybe we'll just re-release our Fate of the Furious episode, (laughs) which is still our number one! But number one in our hearts now and for always is Charlize. So, thank you, Charlize! for being worthwhile enough that Bob would sit through his least, second least favorite movie or least favorite movie of all time out of all movies 
twice. I think that really speaks to her star power and her. I've seen this movie four times. I what, don't you understand no you as a person. So, the reason I've seen this four times is because I cannot understand how it's possible to make something I hate so much oh my that God. I occasionally check myself. Oh my God, I'm trying to end us on an up note. <laughs> Reel it in, Grandpa.